0: This is Dissecting Dragons, a speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers, by writers and readers. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan.
1: And I'm Jules Ironside. This week in A Rural Dream, The Rise of Cottagecore.
0: Ah, okay, so there is no specific book or film which sparked the idea for this episode, although it is something that both of us have mentioned a few times. But you know what? Cottagecore, it just feels like slipping into a comfortable armchair. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and... You know, at its best, that's what it should be like. With a cup of tea, ideally. Um, yes. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try and follow this in a logical manner because just like dark academia, it's, it's more complicated than you think in yeah. some respects.
0: Yeah. Now, in addition, anything which does have a strong aesthetic component often pairs up with other genres in a way you might not expect... Um, And you might think, well, how is that going to make sense? But it does. But we'll get onto that a little bit later on.
1: Yeah. So... In the meantime, let's dive right in. What is Cottagecore and where did it come from?
0: Cottagecore is an aesthetic movement that celebrates and indulges in the idea of a simpler, quieter life, which centers on making things with your own hands, all kinds of crafting, interior design, and rural clothing.
1: Yeah. In fact, the entire movement is very rural-centric and has a back-to-nature vibe, but more on that later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on the rural fantasy. Anyway.
1: <clears throat> oh, that, that, that's coming into this a bit yeah. later, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the second half of the question is already going to cause dispute because, like most movements, it doesn't really have a desi- designated start date. Now, in theory, it gained traction in the 2010s and it really took off in 2018 due to a variety of socio economic and world event pressures.
1: Yeah. However, if you scratch the surface of the cottage core movement, it looks oddly similar to the romantic movement of the 19th century, where the rural dream was being lauded as the true way to live.
0: Yeah it's like i said all along we're just reliving the victorian period but skewed Uh, (laughs) now to complicate matters it has several similar system movements you've got goblin core um, grandma core and fairy core which we'll look at in a moment
1: yeah as is usual with aesthetic movements interpretation varies Mm -hmm. there's probably a fair bit of discrepancy over what the what each of us dragons consider cottagecore too, so there'll be something Madeline said, "Oh, that's so cottagecore," and I'm like, "Is it?" And vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Neither of us is really wrong. It's um that that's the thing with anything that's more of an aesthetic than a genre. Um,
0: <laughs> it 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 makes me think of uh, when I was going around. I think it's the 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 Wheeled um Live Air Museum, and I sent Jules a picture of this kind of one of these old rural kind of cottages that they built up and, and J- I think Jules was like oh very cottage core," and I was like more like core." <laughs> 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 there's like nothing cosy about
1: it yeah <laughs> but there might have been from my perspective I mean, yeah. <laughs> consider what I think is cosy after all the, the way
0: he says like, oh very cosy I'm going to scuttle in there like, <laughs> yeah like a hermit crab oh. finding a new shell yeah <laughs> Okay, so what actually shaped Cottagecore? Now, we live lives now that are completely um, antithetical to what we evolved to do. There's no way of getting away from that. It isn't normal for us to have access to the sum of the world's knowledge in our pocket devices and to spend so much time obsessing over what complete strangers think of us. And yet,
1: <laughs> and yet, added to which, work-life balance is seriously out of whack, uh, particularly in the Western world. Work is usually intense and stressful, uh, ergo, the ability to escape to a simpler way of life, even via Instagram, is very appealing.
0: Yeah. Now, the rise of cozy fantasy can probably pe- be put down to cottage core, but it's also fed the cottage core movement. It's kind of become the symbiotic relationship. <laughs>
1: definitely and we also can't discount or underestimate the effect of covid 19 so for a year most of us were essentially getting a taste of what it meant to be housebound and or isolated
0: yeah now some people were completely alone uh during this time some were shut up with others they couldn't stand or who actively wished them harm um still others were stuck with loved ones that they cared for deeply but just couldn't cope with on a 24-hour basis. I'm particularly looking at all those poor parents out there God, yeah. <laughs> with their children. Um consider the huge rise in divorce cases uh, when the isolating finished, for example. Um and now if you ask someone what they did during quarantine, you'll probably get one of two answers. Um, It'll be nothing at all except survive, or they undertook huge, immersive, and time-demanding projects. Um, Jules has actually still not come clean about <laughs> just how many books she wrote.
1: Yeah, it oh, to the grave.
0: <laughs> but I know. <laughs> okay, Madeline. There. <though. laughs> Oh God, now we're back at the hag thing. You just scuttle out of your little (laughs) hovel and take me to the grave with you.
1: Uh, What I'm taking away from this conversation is that somehow I've become a hag. (laughs) Uh, You said it. (laughs) No. Um, For for reference, neither of those two answers is wrong. Whether you found um, some solace in a huge time-consuming project, you took up a new hobby or whatever... Or whether you simply just got by day to day, neither of those things is wrong.
0: No. Now the high rise in crafting and then posting to Instagram, TikTok, or other social media came about partly because there was suddenly more time to do it, as well. Um, but what the cottage core movement did was offer a lifeline to those in isolation. It reframe the situation into something with a purpose even a sense of desirability rather than a kind of a bleak necessity. Um, Others who didn't have the will to do the same got to escape vicariously through the photos and videos of those who could. You know sometimes even if you can't do a craft yourself it's really nice to just watch someone else do one or just to appreciate the artworks um, yeah. and the aesthetic that other people have created.
1: And there's also a green component. So growing your own food in your own garden, baking your own bread, all representative of the self-sufficiency message at the heart of cottagecore. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on permaculture. So perennial native plants grown to improve the soil and attract bees or companion planting instead of pesticides. Yeah, All of absolutely. which is, you know, good stuff. Um, it doesn't mean you have to move to the country. It doesn't mean that you have to live out in the country and till your own fields or whatever i mean a window box or house plants and things can also be very cottagecore um Mm -hmm. in in theory i think it's you know we'll we'll get into what what the issues with some of this is in a moment
0: yeah so with all that pleasantness we should probably flip this pretty little log over and look at the underside um and <laughs> scuttle away um, i was gonna make another high joke but i've resisted um <laughs> sorry so what's actually wrong with cottagecore well every movement has its criticisms and some of them are Unfortunately, pretty well founded. Um, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy them, but you should try to be aware of the shortcomings. And you know, we're coming into this. I love Cottage Core, but I've got to admit there are. There's another side.
1: <laughs> there yeah. is another side. Um, basically, Cottage Core is doing now what Romanticism and the rural dream did 150 years ago. Um, remember our episode where we talked about Thomas Hardy? Um, yeah basically it's painting a portrait of a bucolic rural ideal often to people who have no real means of accessing it or understanding of country life if they do and that can cause all sorts of problems
0: yeah this can be potentially damaging to people who live that life for real in Victorian England, the rural dream was partially responsible for the eroding of generations of rural dwelling people and their histories, uh, for actually losing a lot of the knowledge that it purported to celebrate.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I mean that. I mean, just without going off on too much of a tangent, we, ta- as I said, we talked about Thomas Hardy and how he was really part of the rural the ruralist, he could have been a ruralist, he was part of the realist movement and the realist movement emerged in reaction to the romantic romantic movement um, whereby I think the, the core of, of Thomas Hardy and his realism was that's not what living in the country is like and I have to say that having really grown up right out in, in the sticks, probably, probably rural for my childhood and teens etc, where you know i had to walk three and a half miles to get to the nearest bus stop yeah and then when you got there the bus didn't go every day um it's a case of then i mean (laughs) where my parents live at the moment there are holiday cottages sort of down the lane even further and some people come and they're absolutely lovely and some people come and they they've expected the countryside to be cleaned up for them yeah and they complain that cows are noisy and smelly and that they can hear church bells in the distance and that it's windy. It's like, <laughs> what, what do you want us to do about the wind? Seriously. Set up the
0: shields, <laughs> Jesus, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, combined with that, there is also this idea of kind of self-sustainability and, and, and things like that. It's like, oh, well, I could go in, I could grow my own stuff. Um, yes, yes but that is also quite difficult and the reality is that the the cottage core dream the cottage core life it does actually require a fair backing with money first in yeah. order to be able to create that it isn't this um you know uh, this sort of it isn't a representation of of working class life um where everything is all pleasantness and stuff like that um
1: know a lot of farmers sort of live very very close to bankruptcy all the time it's very stressful suicide rates are incredibly high amongst farmers
0: yes um and it's also you know having animals and stuff like that you don't get a lot of sleep to be honest you have a lot of responsibility there's a lot of death it's it's very difficult at times it's it's not a kind of an easy thing and I think most people do appreciate that, but we need to make sure that when we're enjoying the fantasy, and again, there's nothing wrong with the fantasy, we also don't start believing that that is representative of the reality.
1: Yeah. So, you know, at its worst, Cottagecore does the same thing as, you know, the Romantic movement did by promoting a big, almost capitalist style expenditure on materials for crafting because people want a taste of you know people want a taste, a taste of the cottage core thing without necessarily really sourcing things ethically or people want to be able to say well i made this without necessarily putting in the, the time and the work etc yeah um, or they'll buy a house in the country and then have someone else maintain it, at it's worse. Um, and it, it's kind of like, I want a taste of rural living, but sanitised. And it's a bit like Marie Antoinette dressing up as a dairymaid and collecting eggs that had been already gathered and pre-cleaned for her and put in the right place around this very, very cleaned farm that she had on her estate.
0: Yeah. And again there's nothing wrong with okay well i want to go do a i want to go live a fantasy very briefly i want to go have that experience there's nothing wrong with doing that for fun but that's you've got to recognize right what you were doing is you know you're dressing
1: uh, up in someone else's life
0: yeah um and that you know you you are you're 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 living that is the fantasy side of things and again there's nothing wrong with that but you can't look at it as a reality. It's not a reality. You're having a day out, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Um, yeah, In some respects, it's a little ridiculous.
1: (laughs) That's... um, Honestly, this is my my personal... I mean, I find it both funny and a little bit galling. And this is kind of... This is a me issue, I have to say. I'm not putting this out as a generalised thing. This is very much i can't help having this opinion on the side if you see what i mean it's not even it doesn't even take up a huge amount of real estate in my head but i'm gonna yeah. say it and it's just i'm watching the trend grow and wondering why my early life my childhood and my teens etc um and and actually my own personal and private religious practices and observances and now an internet aesthetic and i'm like Why are people dressing up in my childhood? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really strange to me. Um, There's another part of me that thinks, wow, isn't it great that people can go on the internet now and find other Wiccans and other pagans, etc., and just connect with them. And there's another part of me that thinks you're kind of, you're not necessarily doing the studying that's required. You're not doing the studying for like rural living. You're not doing the studying that's required for that, those kind of observances. You mean getting yourself a spice rack and a scented candle is not the same as. But you know, at the same time, I I also can't say that you're doing it wrong. I don't know. I think I'm a bit rambly on this one, and I haven't really crystallised my my theories on this. But it is a bit. It's like. Everything, I guess it's funny to me because everything that's now, you know, cottagecore, inverted commas, um, was once a thing that kind of made me an outsider. So, so the whole sort of like long floaty skirts and, and bell sleeves and what have you and um, the whole sort of feeling this really intense affinity with nature and wanting to make things, craft things, sew and paint, etc. Yeah. Um, even cooking all of that stuff that I do and have been doing for like uh, probably about 30 odd years and I'm like and now you're making money off it on Instagram and I'm a little bit sort of like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) seriously what the fuck is going on I I don't mind except when people turn around and tell me personally that they're doing it better or that I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm like bitch I've been living this for decades what the fuck are you on? (laughs)
0: I think one of the big things for me is that, very much like dark academia, cottagecore can actually be elitist, Um, you know, a lot of people who have lived in the countryside for generations cannot afford to keep living there because houses are being bought as holiday homes and it's driving the prices up. Um, And this is obviously not a new thing, you know, it's been happening for around 600 years in one form or another but the airbnb gold rush definitely hasn't helped
1: yeah and i think that's where it's quite difficult because airbnb is a really convenient and cost-effective way to go yeah i want to stay in rural wales this week yeah and you can't really blame people for like i want to pop over there for a bit Um, Genuinely, because maybe they're people who cannot afford to live right out in the country the same way that the people who should be able to live there can't really afford to live there. It's a huge issue in Cornwall, isn't it, right now? It is. It is a big
0: issue. And uh, this is the thing, because there's two sides to it, which is that a lot of people in Cornwall are saying, well, we don't like the students um because the, all the student accommodation and, and the renting and stuff it's driving up prices and now we can't afford to live there but at the same time the students being there is also bringing a, a huge amount of money to um you know to truro to falmouth etc um yeah. and you know there's this kind of this two two sides two sides to it as well um but also, yeah, this, the holiday homes as well, that's definitely we see that a lot in Cornwall um, and and it has sort of driven sort of people who who have lived there for generations kind of out of their homes um, and, and prevented people from kind of being able to sort of settle and, and maintain their roots, which is very, very sad. Um, I think the other thing as well, um, and again, something which is really driving the cottage core movement in the same way that sort of the Victorian urbanization drove the rural um, fantasy is the fact that a lot of people who might want to go and live in Wales um, or who actually or, or go somewhere, you know, very rural or who might have even come from somewhere very rural and want to return there, um, can't because of the work opportunities. They have to be somewhere near a city. Um, and so they feel very disconnected from that part of their life. And so the only way they can indulge in that is through Instagram and also by, you know, going on holidays, going to Airbnbs, which again feeds the whole, problem um and it's kind of this self-sustaining uh cycle that is actually in some ways making people even more disconnected
1: yeah it's it's a difficult one and it's not a new problem it's not a new argument it's been going on for decades i mean you you can't blame cottagecore for all of it in fact it was obviously going on in hardy's time as well um which was one of the things he had issues with um i just think and i don't have the answer i will say this honestly that there has to be a better way of of doing things i mean i think you know instead of going for that airbnb you can choose to stay in a, a cottage on someone's farm and maybe you'd have fewer um you know conveniences and things but what you're actually doing is pumping some money into that property's um financial ecosystem and you're helping to sustain that farm so you know there, there are definitely choices you can make
0: yeah and there's nothing also i'm i'm gonna say there's nothing wrong with using an airbnb no, you of know, plenty of people who have airbnbs they might actually say well actually we're we're renting out our guest house or something like that you know we've we've converted or we've built a little sort of place in the back of our house or at the farm or things like that you know and and even if you know it is well we've got this place and we use it but when we're not there we want to you know there's nothing wrong with using airbnb we're just saying that it's part of a larger and very very old problem um which has kind of prevented a lot of people from being able to buy and has have has driven up house prices though again driving up house prices and stuff like that that can also actually in the in some ways cause other things to change or improve around town so there's i don't know there's there's lots of different things it's it's not a simple cause and effect it's a whole tangle it's a whole web it's a it's a domino effect that has larger consequences um so and uh, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> no.
1: Basically, just take the approach of trying to live your life doing as little harm as possible. Yeah. Then, which isn't always easy, but try try to go from there. Yeah. Um, okay. In addition, uh, cottage core can be pretty eurocentric, which you know, in fairness, that's because that's really where it it started. Um, it only really becomes a problem when it holds up the West and the European way as the only way to do cottage core. I mean you've got, there's got to be versions of it from all over the world really because we're not the only people who have a rural way of living and handcrafting
0: yeah i i think at the same time there've been and i've seen it recently uh, a lot of kind of videos i think there's this woman she lives in a a rural part of china with her family and she posts these very peaceful videos without any talking or anything like that where she's going out and she's doing different crafting and things like that um you know and it shows her from the start to finish and so there has been this kind of emergence of uh rural living out in china and stuff like that um and again it's just a snapshot of her doing one thing we don't know what she's doing the rest of the time but it is they are really really lovely videos to watch they're very peaceful actually (laughs) and honestly it's really nice to see her building stuff or or creating things um uh, from scratch or cooking there's a lot of cooking ones as well so um i do think we're starting to see more examples of how things can be done uh you know what cottagecore might look like um in other countries with other cultures and stuff like that and it's becoming more accepted but as with as with everything else there are people who are still quite exclusive and they don't want to kind of engage with other stuff and you don't have to personally engage with things but you shouldn't gatekeep what people are allowed to enjoy yeah um, definitely in that sense
1: i mean unless it's like cannibalism or something
0: yeah. Cottage core cannibalism. We're back to hag core.
1: Uh- <laughs> Technically, it's still cottage core. <laughs> and you're talking about. I mentioned cannibalism and I'm very sorry for it, but actually, I've. You know what? I'll tell you when we get to that bit. Okay. You can look forward to that.
0: Yay. Okay, alright. So, what other kind of cores are there? um we mentioned a few of these so uh grandma core um this is this is very similar and probably a progenitor of core. um it focuses on elderly in inverted commas pursuits such as gardening knitting baking because everyone knows you can only do those when you're at a certain age yeah
1: apparently so <laughs> although with knitting and me the chances are i will only be It'll take me that long to master it. I've got a mental block. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Goblin Core, which is the darker twin of Cottage Core. It focuses on reusing, upcycling, and the darker, grittier aspects of the natural world. Uh, Things which are not considered generally beautiful are looked at with new eyes here, and, you know, know, the beauty of insects and things, for example. Um, In addition, there's a big focus on thrifting, interior decorating with furniture and accessories that are pre-owned or revamped, and second-hand clothing. In many ways, it's an answer to a a more consumer-driven, this must appear perfect movement, if you see what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You see a lot of... This is the nice thing, is that the sort of cottage core and goblin core there's this interest in mushrooms um and when yeah, you there's get a, there's into... actually
1: mushroom core apparently yeah there is yeah it's, um, like, it's nothing but fucking mushrooms
0: yeah <laughs> and and you just it, it's interesting where you kind of see where it goes from oh pretty sort of little toadstools and cottage core and some some other you know nice ones and then it, as it gets into goblin core it's the and now the rot <laughs> and now the less pretty toadstools <laughs> but they're still kind of interesting and engaging and beautiful
1: yeah i had a really interesting conversation with my if sort of i would say sort of sister-in-law she's not really my sister-in-law because there's no legal binding agreement but um for all intents and purposes she is she's uh, alan's brother's wife and we were talking weirdly about mushrooms and toadstools and um she's a, she's a forager and it's something i like to do as well although i have to say i draw the line at mushrooms because i'm like i'm not sure i want to inflict my mushroom knowledge on anyone else unless i might want to accidentally kill them kind of thing <laughs> accidentally <laughs> but she was talking about it and alan said well how, how do you know that you've got the right mushroom and i said well it's very simple if they make you keel over or see god they were the wrong mushroom (laughs) (laughs) she started laughing and then she went through sort of like ways you can like sort of identify them and and things because some of them look so similar there's only there's some very specific things you have to do to identify which ones are edible and which ones aren't and she said yeah i've made a couple of mistakes i've had some that made me really deathly sick and she said oh, i've had others where i was fine and then other people have been really really sick of them yeah um and it's like i'm thinking in some ways you are so much braver than me i'm great i can wander off into nature and i can come back with edible food and i can also come back with deadly poison but i'm still kind of like hmm maybe i'll leave the mushrooms where they are (laughs) because there's like there's two types where i'd be absolutely certain that they'd be safe to eat but there's so many other types as well which um apparently they're very nice if you if you eat them and there are others which are like yeah it's very nice but leave that where it is (laughs) yeah do not um, touch or eat that. <laughs> so, um, so, sort of absolute, sort of, kind of admiration for her that she's like, oh yeah, I'll go and I'll give it a go because it's probably not going to be too bad. I'm like, it's not going to be too bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, finally, you have fairy core, um, which is essentially cottage core, but everything is a little extra shiny and set in an enchanted forest. Um, it's fantasy cottage core, which honestly, I feel like if it's real fairy, core it should be more like goblin
1: core in some respect you know what i meant to say that because i was reading about this and i thought oh that's really interesting and i can see the whole unicorn and everything sparkly and it is the idealized fantasy forest and then it turns out that there is a rival movement which is fairly recent called dark fairy core where it's literally like the folkloric fairies and everything's very dark (laughs) so there you go the minute anyone creates a movement someone will create a counter movement
0: yeah (laughs) People like their aesthetics. Okay, um, we can't really talk about Cottagecore without actually talking about the LGBTQ plus attachment. No. Um, Because Cottagecore has become a movement to which many LGBTQ plus people, especially lesbian and bisexual women, are drawn, as opposed to Goblin Core, which is the home of non-binary folks, apparently. Um, And honestly yeah it's weird most of the non-binary people i know
1: i'm like yes i mean actually yeah i i think i'm a little bit more attracted to goblin core in some ways because i love this the sort of upcycling and stuff and i'm interested in the darker stuff but every, a lot of i think almost everyone else i know who's really into sort of the goblin core side of it um i'm like actually yay um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, now I think about it, you are all drawn to this thing, so <laughs> interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, the reasons for for this are actually the same as for everyone else, um, i.e. simplicity, beauty, the natural world, rural escapism, valuing things made, not bought, uh, with the added twist of offering a sense of belonging for those who don't fit in elsewhere which i can really really understand
1: yeah absolutely um for lesbians and bisexual women especially it offers a way to be feminine whilst not adhering to the magazine ideals of what constitutes beauty and femaleness um, and also allowing space for their sexuality to express itself so uh, there is there is also the idea that you don't have to give up this modern in control woman archetype, but you can still be soft and feminine, etc. Um, and I can I can really see that because um, I'm not slamming this, but it seems to be fashionable at the moment to really really layer on makeup, which I honestly have to say is not something that I've I've ever done really.
0: Mm.
1: If I wear it at all. Um, and it's a case of a lot of these people they do it and they do all the contouring and and, and they'll quite openly do it on YouTube etc so it's not like they're hiding their original face or anything it's just kind of this is how you do it this is how you get this look and I personally find it very uncomfortable to have more well layers and layers of makeup on I like my skin to breathe Um, I don't know how much of this is kind of like when I was a teenager you did not put on loads and loads of makeup because the idea was that you would try to hide something that you were kind of uh, falsely advertising
0: Mm.
1: Um, which when you think about it is a horrible thing because what it's suggesting is if you are not conventionally attractive then you cannot do something to make yourself more conventionally attractive otherwise you're lying
0: also, the, the idea that there's false advertising, yeah, only if women are products.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying that was a healthy attitude, but obviously the, the sort of, yeah, you don't layer makeup on thing has, has lingered with me. And I'm sure that there's stuff there from my grandmothers that's also sort of filtered into my subconscious. Not that I spend a lot of time thinking about makeup, because I don't. Um, and I have to say that these people who do this and they do the professional contouring and everything, they look amazing when they've done it. genuinely do Mm. i can't help thinking myself oh god how uncomfortable i would be with that amount of makeup on." (laughs) so cottagecore seems to be a little bit more sort of natural makeup and stuff
0: yeah i i i agree it's it's it is an interesting thing um again i come from the a similar perspective in that I, i literally cannot actually wear that much makeup because i have such sensitivity that in fact a lot of makeup will just cause me to sort of come out in hives. Um, so I, I actually spent a long time, like not really being able to wear makeup at all. Um, so I kind of, I do see this and I, I'm, I can appreciate the, the, the cottage core element in, the, in that sense of, oh, well, I don't actually have to look conventionally attractive. I can also wear things which are comfortable but which are still seen as beautiful yeah Um, and I I think it is the other thing about cottagecore is that there is this kind of this release from the male gaze because it is it's about practicality you know well sort of the illusion of practicality often not necessarily as practical it depends which version of cottagecore you're looking at Um, but it's you know dungarees and stuff like that um, rather than, okay, well I've got to wear certain types of dresses or things like that instead you can just wear things which are comfortable and um, practical so, yeah, I can really, really see the uh, the appeal um, particularly for Uh, lesbian, bisexual women but also, you know, just queer people in general, members of the LGBTQ plus community um, who don't want to have to go through conventionality
1: yeah um, i don't have to have my eyebrows threaded etc yeah it's okay not to have the latest haircut
0: if... yeah and even for those who do enjoy it because there is absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying that or, or partaking in that either this is not a we're not being exclude. you know we're not saying you're not allowed to do that it's this idea of i c- it can literally just be for me as well which i think I... is attractive
1: yeah, I think um, that there's both like a solution and a problem here at the same time. And the solution is kind of like um, that beauty is, is natural. So things that are natural... Uh, can absolutely be beauty without beautiful without anything interfering with them. So you don't. Yeah. It's not that you don't have to make an effort. It's more a case of yeah, wash your face, brush your hair, and you're done, kind of thing. Um, but I think there is a, an element of cottagecore where people are very keen on the perception of things, where it's like yes, you must promote this natural beauty, and this is effortless. Um yeah. and there's like six filters on a photo kind of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing that kind of annoys me a little bit with some of the cottage core movement, um, is the way that they do certain aesthetics is um and the way that it's kind of perceived of the right aesthetic, that this is what cottage core should look like. Um, it's very particular body types. Yeah. Um And it doesn't address the fact that, okay, um what about people with spots? what about people with acne? What about people um who've got this, that, or the other the The reality is that we are not simple creatures in terms of and it's not as simple as saying oh well if you live healthily your skin is always going to be perfect or anything like that or that if you do this that and the other there are lots of other components that come into it um and people are different
1: yeah i mean to be honest drinking plenty of water uh, using sunblock and eating lots of fruits and vegetables will absolutely improve your skin but to a point within sort of genetic confines and other considerations yeah exactly that's not a reason not to do it you don't just go everything's down to my genetics and that's it it's like oh it's no a... no
0: i I, yeah. I agree but i'm I'm saying you know that there are other elements to it as well and so that there, there is this kind of as we said there's a an element of elitism uh too because sometimes this kind of look that people have does come down to actually what they can afford um yeah to take care of themselves and also what uh they can um uh, you know what the, what they won in the genetic lottery
1: <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of that is luck of the draw isn't it it, so... it, it is yeah <clears throat> okay so overall
0: uh overall cottage core is an ideal um it's a quiet place to escape to, it's a pleasing aesthetic that offers solace from hectic consumer driven lives. Um and I, I, I think it's weirdly enough, despite the fact that y- you get a lot of kind of it being promoted on social media, it is also the, the fantasy of escaping from social media as well. Yeah
1: ironically it really is um i think it's well on its way to becoming a genre of its own in the same way that dark academia did a few years before so yeah because we started off with a dark academic aesthetic and then it was kind of like oh i'm writing books and we're making films with a dark academic aesthetic over it and it's like oh so now we have this genre
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) um certainly plenty of films and books are now being rebranded as cottagecore which many with many more also being released with that aesthetic in mind um so we're actually going to look at a few examples which will no doubt show that cottagecore is a filter which overlays lots of different genres effectively
1: okay i'll start and this is the horrifying one i was talking about (laughs) um i read it last year i was lucky enough to receive an arc Um, It is so beautifully written. This is Bloom by Delilah S. Dawson. Mm. Beautifully written, exquisite prose, very very sensory um, almost sensual type prose and what happens is the main character has recently split up with her boyfriend and she's kind of grieving there and she's moved to a more rural area because she can't afford to live in the city and while she's there she decides to make herself go out more so she goes to a farmer's market and at this farmer's market she meets a stall holder who is this beautiful girl who she thinks looks really elven and attractive and she's so compelling as well and really impressive because she makes all her own candles all her own cupcakes and things which are designed for from her own recipes and a whole bunch of other stuff as well and she's just captivated by this girl and gradually she kind of starts to think I'm into women as well as men which is something that had never occurred to her before or rather I'm certainly into this woman Mm. and uh, a strange little romance sort of blooms to life between them and that's when it takes a turn into sort of Bluebeard <laughs> <laughs> and and other less savoury fairy tales, or there's elements of them. I, I really don't want to spoilify it. It is a good book. I did not like the ending, but that's me. <laughs> if you're looking for something that's horror with a horror-esque ending, then you'll really love this. But, you know, content warning for cannibalism, frankly... <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, you know, cottagecore has a this whole sort of idea of every part of the animal gets used, etc. Everything gets used, nature as a dark side. Um, yeah, <laughs> this, this little novella really explores that and it's fucking horrifying, <laughs> it really is. It's a really great book. And why am I putting it under cottagecore? Well, because 70% of the book is absolutely cottagecore. I mean, it actually talks about the flavours of the... Of the cupcakes and things. And <laughs> I didn't know where candles. you were going there
0: for a second, like the flavours of the. Well, no, you, see, you think I'm joking,
1: but I mean. <laughs> I know, the... I know. <laughs> <laughs> the frosting on the cupcakes is made with lard, not butter. So, um. Oh, God, no! <laughs> it is the most beautiful sensory book imaginable, and there is a disturbing queer love story as part of it. Um, I really don't want to spoiler fight you anymore, but. And I, I don't know if you'd like it or not, Madeline, to be honest. <laughs> you think because something's got cannibalism in it that I'm not well, more thinking in. the cottage court might be your thing. It's like, just read 70% of the book and stop and pick this page number again. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> then there's a happy ending. Is... <laughs> Remember that that stuff really <laughs> freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. Um so it kind of freaks me out too in fairness. Um so basically it is a case of Cottage Core here very much being a filter overlaying what is essentially a traditional horror horror novel.
0: Yeah. It's actually really interesting how Cottage Core can actually also then um uh, tie in with um
1: folk horror. Big time, definitely. Yeah. It, it, in fact they go together really well they do go together
0: really well um which actually is going to lead me on to the the next one uh i wanted to talk about uh which is actually silver in the woods by i can't believe i've just forgotten the author's name i want to say emily tash is it emily tash um i am looking at it right now just so that i can remind myself because i cannot believe that i just <laughs> Um, do 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 Where did you go? Oh, it's disappeared. <laughs> my memory is not what it was. In fact, that's a lie. This is what it's always been like. So um, your
1: memory is what it was. My
0: memory is exactly what it was and has always been. <laughs> i cannot now find it oh that's it yeah emily tash you're absolutely right um and it's silver in the woods and also her because that's a novella and then her follow-up novella is drowned country and silver in the woods is very kind of cottagecore in a a lot of ways uh whilst also then very much leaning into uh folk horror
1: yeah big time (laughs)
0: um because yeah it starts wild man lives in a woods literally in a little cottage he's got a cat it's an LGBT romance there's a little there's an element of dark academia sort of put in there but it's 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 kind of the it's the cottagecore academia which is the I'm here exploring folk tales and stuff like that rather than you know but he does still have an impressive library
1: yes um so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't think of that one, but that is a good one. Um the the next one it also has components of horror, but it's always felt like a cottage film to me, from me using the term, and that is the film of practical magic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, I would I would agree with that, is that it, it does weirdly, yes, have a very cottagecore esque part to it,
1: doesn't it? The whole, it, again. It's the self sufficiency. It's the growing your own herbs, making your own medicines, and cottage core really goes hand in hand with sort of the modern aspect of you know, the Wiccan, witchy, pagan yeah. type stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I think cottage core does also go kind of hand in hand with witch core. Yeah, which is you know, again, they're, they're
1: very similar. There's lots of similarities with these things yeah definitely um, yeah, obviously practical magic involves uh, some amateur necromancy as well so once again it's kind of a filter overlaying what is essentially kind of a horror love story yeah <laughs> we talked about this before practical magic defies definition really um, par- partly because it's structure is a little bit wonky but we love it anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh, next one um, the secret garden
1: yeah Which... i actually I, I should have added that i like the secret garden film from 1993 better than i like the book the book is structurally a mess
0: yeah yeah i i think the film is is very good it, and weirdly enough the 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 film with the secret garden it, it does actually kind of also uh tie into a different type of of um Uh, of of core and it's not I can't remember what it's called noble core or something like that where it is not just right cottage core because there's less cottagey and more great house great house yeah
1: yeah, in the sense of might I have a bit of earth to plant things and make things grow and then Mary Lennox actually going and doing that and finding the secret garden and the robin apparently helping her. Um, yeah. That's very cottagecore. Oh yeah, definitely. absolutely, absolutely, think, yeah. weirdly, the found family aspect of it, you know, Dickon and her cousin who's been, like, shut away in the house somewhere because he's got a hunchback and can't walk. Um, all of that, again, is very cottagecore type stuff. You've got the, these children who essentially... Um, you know, innocent um, with the shadow of things to come ahead of them as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, found family, I think, yeah, is a huge element of Cottagecore.
1: I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'd also add. I obviously had a great few years there of sort of periody type films that that were you know, coming out and being quite warm and cosy, but still quite gripping, and that was Little Women Yeah, from 1994. I still haven't seen the new one, so I can't comment on it, Uh, but this had Winona Ryder in it, and uh, Kirsten Dunst and a bunch of other people. And I still really love that film, and certainly, I mean, the beginning of it is very Christmassy, but, I mean, that feels like a very cottagecore film, because... Uh, the march family are, are in reduced circumstances so they are like returning their gowns they are getting shoes out of rag bags and things like that they are making doing mending um and it, it's interesting to have one that's sort of set in in concord in america as well rather than just a cottage somewhere in the uk
0: yeah yeah absolutely um kiki's delivery service <laughs> um my neighbor totoro yeah. I mean there's a lot of cottage core elements to several of um Mizaki and and Studio Ghibli films. Uh, probably and I think a lot because of the ethos that they have behind the films where they want to kind of create the sense of joy in the everyday tasks. And so yeah. there is this this beauty in the simplicity and enjoyment of doing simple things where it is kind of celebrated which I think is is a core aspect of cottagecore
1: definitely it's things like the I mean I I picked the two most cottagecore ones that off the top of my head but there are others where I mean you've got aspects there's scenes where you know the found family aspects in most of those films the environmental consciousness in a lot of them Although yeah. I don't think we can call Princess Mononoke Cottage Core exactly.
0: No, and this is the interesting thing in that, again, I think that they actually managed to capture both sides of the cottage core element uh, yeah. with this understanding of sort of r- rural living and stuff like that. Because you also have the Grave of Fireflies, which is obviously a. We harrowing. Don't talk about that. we don't we don't talk about that <laughs> it's absolutely it. harrowing um yeah. but is also this aspect of okay, well, let's actually look at real rural living trying to to do these things, and what happens when everything fails? yeah, what happens when you need a doctor and home remedies aren't enough,
1: you know, yeah, yeah absolutely, and uh um even howl's moving castle the bits where sophie's cleaning or when they're making breakfast together or whatever uh, that's not a cottagecore film but it definitely has scenes where it Um, what's really cute about kiki's delivery service is you've got a young witch who with her little cat (laughs) who who is trying to set up a delivery service and she's not doing the best she can as a witch she's kind of Kind of failing. Um, yeah, my neighbor Totoro is is very much what happens to the children when there's something really traumatic going on in their family. And again, it's that rural setting, um, and the you know the little nature sprites and things that <laughs> that are helping them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is this. It's the sense of fun, adventure, but also of you know the underlining sadness and difficulty um, that comes with moving and and discovering something new. Um, there's cottagecore elements to Wolf Children as well. Um, and again, one thing I think that is kind of really understood by Studio Ghibli and stuff like that, because I, I don't think Wolf Children is Studio Ghibli, but it's the no, same it's kind not, of thing. I can't remember the name of it. The... Yeah. Um, is, again, this, this aspect of both the beauty and the brutalness of nature um yeah. which is why yeah you wouldn't call princess mononoke cottagecore but you can totally understand how it's made by the same people
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely um the thing with wolf children is a huge part of that is in fact cottagecore because in order yeah. to raise her children she moves to the country and she learns to do all those things to rear her own food etc yeah so that her children who can turn into wolves um will actually be able to live a somewhat normal life yeah um, but really, that's a film about family drama and and parting ultimately. Yeah. Um, with a cottagecore filter over the top, which makes it no less traumatic. Yeah, <laughs> it's super traumatic. I,
0: I, I was told when, when we watched it, it's like, oh, you you know, it's real. You'll really enjoy this. And I just left it feeling cold. I was <laughs> like, this is just really sad. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs>
1: Why did you do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Okay, one that I kind of agree with, but I can see other people going, how could you get cottagecore with that, is Amelie, which is a French film that I love personally. Um, And I think it's Amelie herself who is the cottagecore element because she has an odd way of looking at the world that's very sensory, that has an appreciation of the ordinary and the decent
0: yeah i completely agree Um, and one of the things sort of with amelie as well which i think ties in with another aspect is that we've obviously talked about how cottagecore and stuff like that really appeals to a lot of people members of the lgbt plus uh, q plus community Um, but also it tends to appeal to a lot of people who are neurodivergent yeah amelie as well has a very neurodivergent feel to it You know, they never say she's autistic or she's got ADHD or anything like that at all. Um, But I think a lot of people who are neurodivergent kind of connect with her because of that. And cottagecore, I think, also is very appealing uh, to people who are neurodivergent because it it kind of actually captures perhaps one of the ideal ways of living for people whose brains work like that, for people who are highly creative, etc
1: yeah definitely I'm not sure whether I agree with the next one or not and I I kind of saw this on someone else's list so I thought I'd include it and we can just have a quick chat about it and that's the sound of music
0: I can totally understand why someone would think that that was cottagecore I would agree that I wouldn't say that it was cottagecore but I think it's the very rural setting which kind of plays into it and this idea of them going out, doing music reconnecting with family and stuff like that yeah making things making things again i think the found family element as well
1: yeah and weirdly again the backdrop of something traumatic happening which is the nazi invasion yeah <laughs> cuz for some reason cottage court quite often gets opposed against something very dark yeah
0: yeah it does oh right okay <clears throat> Next um, is Bookshops and Bone Dust and Legends and Lattes, which is a really interesting version of Cottage Hall because it actually takes place in a city.
1: Yeah. And it is, I mean, the same as Bookshops and Bone Dust. I don't know if you've read that yet. Not yet, no. Um, But... Yeah, bookshop and Bone Dust is kind of like a prequel to Legends and Lattes. Mm. And Viv, the orc, I mean, you wouldn't expect an orc in Cottage Cottagecore, would you? Um, but she's forced to recuperate in a seaside town, um, which has a few problems and things going on. And she makes friends with the owner of a bookshop and the bookshop isn't doing very well. So the whole thing is about <clears throat> kind of coming together as a community and um, getting this bookshop back on its feet. Oh, And it is very, very cute And then Legends of Latte is all about Viv's own struggles to open a coffee shop When she's retired from the mercenary business Yeah um, Which also has the very sensory descriptions of food And coming up with a menu and, and all of that stuff And again, the found family aspect
0: Yeah, which is very, very cosy <laughs> <laughs> Um Okay. And uh, last, uh, we have the very secret society of irregular witches, which, yeah, honestly,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, as you say, it's kind of witchy, witchcore again. You've got witches once again with this whole cottage core thing going on. But again, you've got the making stuff, you've got the rural setting, you've got the found family. Yeah, it, it feels very core
0: and again lgbt characters and stuff like that as well yeah absolutely yeah very enjoyable um so and there i mean there are so many more but we don't, we don't really have time to go through them yeah. but uh, you know we'd love to hear what some of your favorite Cottage Core books are books films series things like that you know um do get in contact with us and, and let us know what some of yours are i mean
1: here's a question do you think you'd ever write anything which is kind of cottage core? I, I think i wouldn't necessarily go for, i think the problem is it's the same as me writing cozy fantasy whereby i start off wanting to be cozy and then something awful would happen just because that's how my brain works yeah um, so <laughs> i like could absolutely cozy see, to a point <laughs> yeah i can absolutely see me having cottage core moments definitely and maybe yeah. I already have I don't know um but actually just writing something with the clear aesthetic of cottagecore over the top not sure maybe I'd try but I've got a feeling I might fail at the, the last Ah, <laughs> <little.
0: laughs> oh, so close and then you and then something started crawling out of the
1: well yep basically <laughs> near and <yet> so far <laughs>
0: um I think I'm probably the same in that it would it might start as very sort of cottagecore and then it would get a little bit into the into sort of okay but we've got to actually add some (laughs) some drama here
1: now your cottage court would end up with cannibalism in it probably
0: would you stop with the cannibal (laughs) our listeners are really gonna think that i'm that i'm a cannibal okay i i really need people to understand that jules's insistence of my obsession with cannibalism (laughs) is that i am terrified of cannibalism. But you (laughs) write the things that freak you out. And I write the things that freak me out, okay? (laughs) I am not (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really suspicious if I go, I am not a cannibal. (laughs) That's exactly what a cannibal cannibal would would say. (laughs) say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh, oh, what are you doing, Jules? well i'm not trying to spread that rumor <laughs> i think it's too late now <laughs>
0: okay um before we go it is time for our dissecting dragons recommendation of the
1: week um jules have you got something for us uh yes i watched a film called salt Burn on friday uh, last well, last friday uh, which is not cottagecore at all. It's um, it's def- uh, oddly, it, I would count it as dark academia. Uh, okay. Even though only twenty percent of the film takes place, at, it, whether it's at Cambridge or Oxford. And basically, it's this boy from Merseyside called Oliver who goes off to one of these top elite universities, and kind of gets sidelined uh, by all these, you know, very wealthy entitled kids because he's not super wealthy and Mm. he apparently has come from this really troubled background he's he's a scholarship student so he's being snubbed right and then he has this kind of meet cute moment with this incredibly popular hot boy who happens to be the heir to an enormous fortune in the castle (laughs) called saltburn Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes from there and it is a story of obsession Um, what it does incredibly well is it reminds us that people who are obsessed with other people tend to hate them as much as they love them and it gets very dark it's deliciously fucked up it really is (laughs) do not expect a happy film and there is some really disturbing shit in it as well Um, but it's you know it's pretty sexually graphic in places as well uh, not not sort of on-screen sex but in terms of what it's implying it's like, ooh, <laughs> that's, <gross. laughs> that's not good um, Oliver gets invited in the end to Saltburn with this guy, Felix and he sort of inveigles his way in the family and I think this is the point where you start to think is Oliver actually the protagonist? <laughs> is he a good guy? <laughs> um, there's all sorts of little clues and flags and stuff in there that tell you where it's going to go but it still manages to pull off a bit of a surprise I don't know if you watched a film a while back called Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan in it but it's written by the same person who wrote that which was also a very deliciously fucked up film so um, yeah I, I recommend people give it a go it's on Netflix okay and it it is a really interesting film if nothing else it's an interesting character study so if you write you might like to watch it for that reason but to me it feels very dark academia sort of like the elitist school the elitist background um the tale of love and obsession um and the the dark ending if you like
0: yeah Okay. All right, that sounds really interesting and horrifying. I yes. shall shall investigate. <laughs> and on that note, guys, we will say thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah.
1: Thanks and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast you can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from itunes for more information visit our facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissecting or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughn.com please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast